0: My back row shoulder back there. Amen. That's right. Don't let up. Need all the help I can get. Hebrews chapter 13, one verse, verse number 8. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8. Don't you remember Alicia's uh, family? She had a, a a grandparent to pass away. And the families with them tonight. To, uh, uh, so today, so you remember them in, in your prayers as well. Hebrews chapter thirteen, in verse number eight. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Let's read that together. Ready? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. With the help of God, I want to preach on a changeless God for changing times. I could have titled this an unchanging God for changing times, and it would have been just as well. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Amen. Tyler, how about you praying, brother? Oh, yes. Amen. I'm so glad you're here tonight. This is one of those messages that if I could talk to you one-on-one and could share my heart with you, this is what I would tell you. For those that are listening at home, I pray they uh, won't be the same, but I want to bring a very pastoral message tonight. I said this morning that it's so important, vital, absolutely something we must do. That is, know what we believe and who we believe in. That is more critical this hour than it ever has been in the history of mankind, especially for our generation, for our day. To know what you believe. Then could I take it a step further? to know what you believe about Jesus Christ. Do you believe He has saved you? Do you believe He was God incarnate? Do you believe He was robed in flesh, took on our sins and bled and died for us? Do you believe He's all-powerful and almighty? You see we say that, it's easy said. But we're almost living in a day where our actions is contradicting what we say. We say we believe, but then we act in fear. We act according to the environment around us and not on what thus saith the word of God. And God said Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. In February the first person was diagnosed with coronavirus. By mid-March every state had cases and overnight it seemed everything changed. February we were planning a youth meeting in playing Terrific Tuesday in May. And yet, everything changed. Henry David Thorpe was right when he said, nothing endures but change. Change is the only constant of the human experience. Now listen to what he says. Change is the only constant of the human experience. Every one of us are continually changing. You're not the same way you was this morning. Some of you slept through the service. I hope you can stay awake tonight. You lost so many cells in your brain and that bothers me because I know you can't afford to lose any. Some of you, we 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 lost. Some of you lost hair on the way home that you'll never get back. Some of you took a shower and lost skin cells. Though so every one of us are different than what we was this morning, because if there's one thing constant about human beings is that we are constantly, continually changing. And it's against that change that God said, Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In less than ten words, the inspired writer speaks of what we call immutability. Say that with me. Immutability. It remains simply that Jesus Christ is unchanging. Amen. In less than ten words, we're about the only real constant in our human experience. Some of you believe, and I hope and pray that it is. Some of you believe your, your, your job's a sure thing but you could go in tomorrow and the doors be shut and uh, bolted, shut and locked. It's happened before. You, you could uh, hopefully and I pray that you go home and everything's like it was when you left. But you could go home in a pile of ashes and everything changed. Now I praise God tonight. I got a God that didn't change. He's the same God tonight that He was this morning. He'll be the same God tomorrow as He was today. He'll not change. A.W. said this These words are a most glorious message, which is designed to set the hearts of God's children, notice, at perfect rest. Their fears of, of uncertainty strengthen their faith and cause them to look forward to a future with confidence because God cannot change. It is impossible for God to change. Now, I don't want you just to believe that. I want you to believe that with every fiber of your soul and everything there is within you. Can I say, a news forecast does not trump what God said. The news media doesn't change God one bit. I, I'm going to shock you if President Trump doesn't get to presidency, God will still be God. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm, a little, I'm I'm not going to say the world, but I know one gets his vote. Amen. Just throwing that out. So the reality is there's a lot going around us and around our lives right now that's changing. And folks, you and I are born again believers. We're children of God. And I serve a God that does not change. And because he does not change, I should not fear or be nervous. I'm amazed. I, I was thinking the other day when we grew up, we never worried about the house payment. We never worried about the groceries. We never worried about uh, any anything. At all. We just never did. You know why? Because I had a father. He took care of that business. Praise God, I got a father now that takes care of that business. Amen. We all realize that everything changes, but God doesn't. And because he doesn't change, there's some attributes that he has that doesn't change as well. And I want to share with you about four of them and hope hope they'll encourage you. I want you to go to my And you might hear something that kind of unnerves you. But if you'll be reminded that the God you serve doesn't change, it settles your nerves. First of all, let me say, there will never be a change in His character. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Character means the middle and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Let me tell you that again. Character means the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. The God of Scripture has never had any alterations, never had an addition, and never has had to amend anything. The one true and living God knows no variation. Jehovah God has never known increase or improvement. He never, 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 I want you to make sure you get that word never, never changes. Everything he ever was, he still is. Everything he now is, he always was. Immutability is the fundamental characteristic of God and one of the pillars of biblical theology. Now common sense tells us a perfect God cannot change. He cannot change for the better. That would mean he wasn't perfect to begin with. He can't change for the worse. That means he wasn't holy in to begin with. But we're not left to rely on common sense. Listen to the scripture. Malachi 3 six. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. James 1.17 Every good gift, every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, no change. He doesn't vary. I like it. Neither shadow of turning. Exodus three fourteen. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. It was a statement that says, I am, that I am, and you will always be, I am. Not what he's going to be, not what he used to be, I am. Amen. I, I wish I had the verbal. I wish I had the, the uh, the vocabulary, to tell you more, he, he never changes. Psalms 102, 25. Thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shall they change them. They shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. He never changes. Hebrews chapter 1 applies this same thing. Notice what it says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth. Heavens are the work of thy hands. And they shall perish, but thou remainest. He never, never changes. Some years ago, the Pentecostals and charismatic TV preachers begin to promote what's called little gods. And it was the movement that said, now when you get saved, you become a little god. Well, let me just say this. Not to be unkind, but the notion of a man who evolved into a deity or a god is foreign to Scripture and completely incompatible with God's character. To ever become a God, you'd have to undergo a sudden and dramatic change, thereby instantly disqualifying yourself from any claim of a deity because God, by definition, is eternally unchangeable. The Bible says our righteousness is filthy rags. The reality is we're not when you got saved you didn't become a God. Not even a little God. Not even an itchy bitchy tinsy God. A.W. Pink said God is neither evolved grown or improved. He cannot change for the better for he's already perfect. Being perfect he cannot change for the worse. Altogether unaffected by anything outside of himself, improvement or deterioration is impossible. And when you got saved, you became in Christ. So why in the world are you so worried? Some of you are gonna be gray-headed for long if you don't wear worrying. I'm not, praise God. You can't get much more gray-headed than I already am. I'm not. But some of you are. You're warning yourself to death. There will never be a change in His character. Please understand that. Number two, there will never be a change in His commands. In Hebrews chapter 13, that same chapter. now Let me show you the, 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 the setup for that verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Marriage is honorable in all in the bed undefiled. Uh, not going into a lot of detail, but it just simply means in, in, in under the marriage vows, uh, God gave us the love right or intimacy between a husband and a wife, and that should never uh, be changed. I know what Grandma told you, Grandma. Whatever that, no, they lied. Bible says, "And the bed undefiled." But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Remember then, which I have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follows considering the end of their conversation. These verses record some sin and their consequences. And don't miss this. There's always consequences to sin. Because of God's immu- uh, immutability He's unchanging. There is a movement today. Now, I want you to listen to me. There's a movement today called progressiveness. It's a progressive movement that says that somehow God's mellowed out and changed His mind about sin. Now hang with me. Now hang with me. This, this is not a new movement. For the last 200 years, uh, the theological liberals have been trying to shove it and push it. The notion is that God's in the process of improving. Process theology has its ancient roots in the 18th and 19th centuries, and, and it just just evolved on, but it's nothing more than a, a liberal theology. Now would you listen, here's the theology, and by the way, this is real today, as real as you and I sitting here, that God used to be against homosexuality. But that was because he adopted the culture of Abraham's day. God today understands gay marriage. It's a civil right issue. And it's not a sin at all. And New Testament believers ought to be careful that we don't judge them, lest we be judged. Can I just automatically say, God said it was an abomination... In the Old Testament, and on July the 5th, twenty-three, it's still an abomination. And God's still against it. He used to be against, God used to be against adultery. But that was because of Puritans. But today, God looks at different. Gives peace to people who break their vows because He wants them to be happy after all. God used to be in, in, in favor of the death penalty. The today God's changed because He's come to favor just a pat on the hand and, you know, for civil rapists and murderers. God used to oppose premarital sex, called it fornication. Can you believe that? But now God's evolved and we live in a new age. Everybody's doing this, so why not? God used to oppose the killing of unborn babies. But God's evolved now, and you know, understand. Women's got a right, historic body, so they got a right to murder. That's where God read the Constitution and said, you know, I, I'm I'm against killing babies, but you know, I, I don't want to be offensive. God used to believe that drinking and dope and Strong drink and being a brawler. But God some one day watched a NASCAR race, saw some hilarious beer commercials, and convinced to lighten up on the issue of alcohol. After all, the only question God still has to answer now, is it less feeling or tastes great? That's the only question. This modern day, progressiveness suggests that God shouts at some sins while He whispers about other sins. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible says in Numbers 23, 19, God is not man that He should lie, neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Uh, hath He said, and shall He not do it? Hath He spoken, and shall He not make it good? The reality is, if God was against it before, He's against it now. If murder unborn babies was murder fifty years ago, it's murder today. I want to tell you we've got somehow or another, we've got to get a hold of the fight. God's not going to wink at our sin. By the way, God's not going to wink at the sin of our nation. Listen, God's not going to. If He's got to send a disease and a plague to bring us to our knees, He'll do so because He's not going to wink at our sin. He's not. Going to keep being slapped in the face while we abolish what He's proclaimed is good. When God formed man and formed woman, He brought them before me. He performed the first wedding. It, by the way, but this is an abomination when men want to marry men and women and women and women. And there's a slapping gun in the face and asking God to judge. And He's going to do it. Because sin is sin. And you and I don't get by. And by the way, if you can get by, if you can sin and get by, I'd like to call recess and take the Bible and show you a Savior. You need to be saved. You're, you're not saved. Because God's a just God, He don't wear my breeches out. He don't want my breeches off. There goes my terminology. I'm about to change. He don't chastise me. I'm going to get better. I'm working at it. He don't chastise me. Amen. My, when I grew up, it's called whooping. God don't whoop me for what I do wrong and then cry at your sin and agree with your sin and yeah. wire my breeches off for my sin he'd be unjust, right? Right. Amen. Truth of the matter is, he is just. And I'll just tell you what's the truth. He'll let me bother the thing. I mean, no, we're not talking about my sin. Ain't none of your business. Amen. When daddy wanted to give us a whooping, he took us in the back room. Well, the rest of the kids couldn't see us jumping around in the hall and scream. They could just hear it. Amen. So the truth of the matter is, God doesn't do that either. I, it's not your. It's not your business. I'm just simply telling you that God will not let you by. If you can get by, then you're lost. You're going to hell. You need to be saved before it's everlasting, too late. You're playing the game. But you want to lose. The reality is, God never changes. He never changes. And I, I, this progressiveness. He's moving quickly our way. And you can just bet your boots on it. I mean, you can bet your boots on it. By the way, you know, why, you know why I'm so thrilled to be in church tonight? For Satan, not the assembling of ourselves together. That's a command, that's not an option. God didn't ask us our opinion about it. God didn't say, do you feel like, if you, want, if you feel good, feel like, won't you just come to church? No. God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. God didn't. Oh, just, just I, you know, I loved, and I'm honest with you, God knows my heart. I love giving to the Lord. The Bible says He loves a cheerful giver. I decide I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. But I want to tell you something. God says a tenth of all of our increase belongs to Him. And He'll pour out a blessing. And it's, it's no difference. And that's a, that works. Man, it works. It works. It works. And here's what I'm trying to say. When we decide we're not going to do His commands and do our own thing, you just trust me, it won't work. I'm working on a message. Working on a message. When it don't work, get back to the to the formula. When it don't work, God'll never change His character. God will never change His commands. May I say, I love this. God never changes His comfort. Let your conversation be without covetous. When I read this. When I read this, I I couldn't figure it out. Listen to what he says. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, I, I, I've been baffled all whole week trying to figure that verse. Those two don't seem to go together. He said, be content. It's just thing. Now, Elijah, come here. All of you know that Elijah's my grandson. So here's, here's the best way I can illustrate it. God is saying... Now, Elijah, now I'll be God because you know, <laughs> and the story in it. God's saying, you're going to be content with one of two things is all the stuff you can surround yourself with. Some of you are miserable trying to keep up with the Joneses. Hallelujah. I ain't keeping up with the Joneses or the Georges, or nobody else. I'm just going to be frank. I could kill Lance. All right? God says, I don't want you to be content with what's around you. See, some of you got the house, you got the car, you got the money, you got all this other stuff. Now I'm going to tell you something. You're so miserable. You can't live with it. You can't stand yourself. What God's saying is this, don't be content. He's not saying you can't have those, but he's what he's saying. He said, I want you to be content because I'm with you. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Have we went out to it if you ever paid the bill? Maybe you hear that a little louder. Have we ever walked in the store that you wanted something that you didn't get? Have you not gotten things that you wouldn't explain on getting? You know why? I want to. I enjoy doing that. I love doing that. You know what God's saying? God's saying, if you just get me you get everything I have. Don't ask your question. Which one's got more? You or God? God. Huh? God. So if I got see, if Elijah has me, he has everything I have. Except for my more. Amen. You may see here. Yeah. But I'm not God. What he's saying is this. If if, if we as God's people can get a hold of the fact we have an unchanging God, do you believe God loved you yesterday? Well, if you mess up today, do you reckon he still loves you? Well, why if you mess up tomorrow, do you think he still loves you? Because he can't change. He cannot love you. There's never a time he cannot love you because you do not change. And so if I have him, he said that's the reason he said, be content. He's not saying you can't have your stuff. He said just be content with it and know that your happiness, your joy, your peace and your comfort is going to come because you have me. Right. And we have him. We have everything we need no matter what the circumstances around us are doing. It's it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing truth. There's two great promises in this verse. Verse 5 and verse 6. Verse 5, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Verse 6, So that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. So I will not fear what man should do unto me. Man, is that relevant? I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Because the Lord is my helper. If If you don't understand the unchanging nature of God, this promise will mean nothing to you. Because you'll always be emphasizing all that's going on around you. The circumstances around you. The next newscast. Oh, the the have went up. They're doubled. You'll be knee-jerk even now that Jesus comes. But if you get your comfort in unchanging God, then you don't ever have to change. actually, Actually, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's a double emphasis. Literally, it's saying, I will never, never, never leave you. Pastor was preaching about this double emphasis, and a farmer went up and said, Preacher, you may have to tell to tell you Greek scholar preacher. God may have to tell you Greek scholars things twice, but for the rest of us, once is enough. I like that. I like that. Fact is, when friends walk out and trouble walks in, God said, I'll never leave you. When trouble piles up and crisis rolls in, God said, I will never leave you. When the winds howl and the storms blow, God says, I will never leave you. When the sun's shining and the rain's falling, God said, I will never leave you. When you go to the hospital, some of you have had, and nobody can go with you in the room, they can't stop him and make him put on a mask. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they can't make him stay outside. Are you listening? Are you listening? They cannot stop him at the desk. He just comes right. Matter of fact, he's in the room when you get there, waiting on you. Him right around, I've seen the lightning flashing, I've heard the thunders roll. I fell since breaking dash trying to conquer my soul. I've heard the voice of my Savior telling me still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Robert Louis Stevenson, who's the great author of books like Treasure Island and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, as a little boy took an ocean voyage and they encountered a great storm. The father said, Son, stay right here. I'll be right back. He went up to the wheelhouse and he saw the captain of the ship calm, collected, and confident. He went back down to where his son was. and said, Son, the captain is at the wheel and he knows the storm better than, than, we, than we know it. Than the, the captain is at the wheel and he knows the storm better than we is at perfect peace. All is well. There will never be a change. In his character, in his commands, or in his comfort, how many? I, there's. I read an article about. They talked about the unseen, the unseen disease that's rampant, and rampant in our churches. And I opened it because I was intrigued. You know what the what the disease was? Loneliness loneliness I said one of the attributes of this covid-19 things is, is people feeling very lonely and because of the isolation and different things i not just tell you something jesus said i'll never leave you and never forsake you hey. i'll never leave you and never forsake you he never changes in his character, in his commands, in his comfort, and here's the love. This he never changes in his capabilities. Hebrews 13:6, so that we may boldly say, "The Lord is my helper, and I'll not fear what men do unto me." The older I get, and listen. The older I get, I've learned some things. i still do everything I used to could do. I just can't do it as long. I've got to stop and rest. I've just had to learn to accept the fact that what I I used to could work hard all day. I can't do that anymore. I've just got to stop somewhere and rest. You know something? God has never had that experience. He's never rested. He said He rested on the seventh day, but He didn't have to. He did that for our sake. The truth is, He's never tired and never weary. He never rests. God, even though He's older than dirt, His eyes have never dimmed, and He is older than dirt. That's a true statement. <laughs> Some of like didn't believe me. God's eyes never dimmed. His strength is never abated. God's arm is never weakened. Everything he ever able to do, he still can. He's the same Christ that healed the man with a withered hand or raised Jairus' daughter and cleansed the leopard. He's the same Christ who calmed the raging sea. Multiply the sack lunch. Hung between heaven and earth to redeem wicked sinners, and got up on the third and glorious day. From age to age and everlasting to everlasting, Jesus Christ never changes. The same Lord that was shepherd for David, will still make you lie down in green pastures and lead you beside the still waters. The same Lord that was a refuge and strength for Hezekiah will be a place for you to run and hide today. The same Lord that turned a jar of oil into a family oil business can meet every need you have according to his riches and glory. The same Lord that freed the demonic of Gadaree can bring liberty and freedom to soul today. The same Lord that said... Peace be still can come the storms of your life. And the same Lord that forgave the repentance, saved, and took him to paradise can wash your sins away and take you to heaven. Same way. Since the dawn of time, God has been changing hearts, transforming lives, restoring marriages, and saving souls. And he's still in that business today. Why? Because he cannot change. He has to because he's unchanging. And while he doesn't want to leave you or me in the same place, not for one more minute, not one more second, not one more moment. He says to you, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I hope that gets real to you. Church, we, we've got to make this real. I want it to be real for you. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus, I'd like to introduce you to an unchanging God. You don't know what I've done, He knows already. And you know what he said? He'd save you. You don't know why, Ben. He already knows. Where you been? He'll save you. You don't know how I've acted. He knows how you've acted. And guess what? He'll save you. You know why? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's all stand to our feet. Tonight,